Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of Next Best Theater on the Next Best Picture podcast. I am Daniel Bayer, filling in for our usual host, Mr. Michael Schwartz, who unfortunately was not able to join us this time, but will be back next time. Joining me are my cohorts, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. And Cody Derricks. Three co-hosts, all alike in dignity. <laughs> I was just thinking I should have had a Shakespeare line to say there. I literally just quickly Googled <laughs> <laughs> Well, if music be the food of love, play on, but we're not talking about music today. We are indeed talking about Shakespeare. Yes, it is our first all drama, all the time version of Next Best Theater here. Um, and this is inspired by the recent Broadway production of a new play by Teresa Rebeck called Bernhardt Hamlet, which is, stars Janet, Janet McTeer as the great actress of the stage, Sarah Bernhardt, a French actress from the uh, around the turn of the 1900s, and her quest to essay the leading role in Shakespeare's play Hamlet. Um, I know that Cody has not seen this yet because Cody is not in New York, unfor- unfortunately. Um, but Nicole and I have, and um, before we get into our actual topics for discussion, I think it would probably be worth it for Nicole and I to tell you guys a little bit about it and what we thought. Um, Let's start with you, Nicole. Uh, What did you think about Bernhardt Hamlet? Okay, so I actually saw the show with our normal host, Michael Schwartz, (laughs) um, which was very exciting. It was a lovely theater, and I was just excited because I've always wanted to see Janet McTeer in something on stage. And I actually am super fascinated by Sarah Bernhardt. Like, it must be said, Sarah Bernhardt is probably one of the most interesting actresses of all time. <laughs> she is a fascinating character. She slept in a coffin to, like, come to terms with death. Like, <laughs> this is an icon, ladies and gentlemen. She is. Um, <laughs> and I actually, so, I really enjoyed it, partially because I think the show wouldn't work without Janet McTeer. I'll, I'll just put that out there. 100% agree. To be fair, there are probably other actresses who could play it where a, a film adaptation to be made, I could see, like, Kate Blanchett pulling off the role. Oh, yeah. Um, but it takes an actress of that caliber because it really is a play about Sarah Bernhardt. Like, there are other actors, and they are very good in their roles, but she is very much the lead. And I thought it was beautifully designed. The costumes, the set were gorgeous. I love a good revolve. Beowulf Borat, who has my favorite name in the Um, world, (laughs) did the set. And I think he's so talented. Yeah. Now, all of that said, I will say that I really loved it. But I also grew up, I was definitely a Shakespeare nerd. By the age of 15, <laughs> I could do the whole to be or not to be speech from memory. Yes! Um, oh, yeah. And so seeing it with Michael, who, like, you know, he knows some Shakespeare, but more just from, like, an English class mm-hmm. perspective, he said that at times it felt a little bit hard to, f- not hard to follow, but just, like, you know, if you didn't know the Shakespeare background to it, you wouldn't fully get everything. That said, though, I think it raises beautiful questions and really 
important questions about mm -hmm. fame and celebrity and about artists and muses and who yeah. Shakespeare belongs to and about what female roles are like in the theater. And some of that is stuff that we're mm -hmm. going to touch on later. I know. Yes, absolutely. Um, I liked it a bit less than you, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I thought the play kind of falls apart in the second act. Yes. And the ending is just abrupt. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, there's no denying that Janet McTeer is utterly like flabbergasting in this role. She's in incredible. She's beyond incredible. Um and but she really keeps the show afloat, even when it's sort of dithering like Hamlet does. <laughs> um and but it takes this turn in the second half where it it ends up all revolving around her, Sarah Bernhardt's relationship with her son. And we don't act, it bothered me to no end that we don't actually get to really see what Sarah Bernhardt Hamlet, what Bernhardt's Hamlet looked like. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the whole thing is about her wrestling with this role and wrestling with the poetry of it and how she doesn't think that she can't grasp it because of the poetry, but it's not because of the poetry, but because Hamlet is speaking in poetry and she feels that he wouldn't. And it, so she ha commissions a playwright to write a prose version. And we don't get any sense of what that was like. We It ends with a short filmed clip of her ha playing Hamlet, but it's obviously silent. <laughs> Which I did love that they... Yeah. Well, I thought that was a really cool thing. But I do agree, yeah. it felt to me in a way like there were two plays in one. Yeah. Like, there's... Because I thought the stuff with her son was fascinating, mm -hmm. but it just felt off topic. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would love to see that play out on its own somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and, and the fascinating thing that it also becomes, in a weird way, a play about Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. <laughs> because... Which is related, um, but... We, yeah, which is related, and it was put on at the same time by the man who wrote or was first contracted to write Bernhardt's prose version of Hamlet and the play sort of proposes that what if they were lovers and the scene in act two where she it's this brilliant takedown of Cyrano um that is just I I have no words wonderful like it's 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 perfect how she just it's a complete takedown of Cyrano and he you know the idea that this playwright wrote it for her and for her, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And she was just unbelievably offended by everything in it and goes into minute detail as to why. And it's so brilliant and wonderful. And I was like applauding throughout the entire scene. I will say it was an interesting show to be at because there were yeah. a bunch of different scenes where the audience, at least my audience, was applauding like in the middle of a scene. Oh, which yeah. you don't see that often anymore, but especially you know, whenever she's talking about, you know, what it's like to be a woman working in the theater and yep. whenever she's kind of responding to these male critics and other male artists who are putting her down, that the mm -hmm. audience would just burst into applause, which I just thought was great. Yeah. The audience is very into it. It's very, very now. Mm -hmm. The play feels very now. Um, and 
I was really glad. I'm really glad that it exists, but I, as much as I love a lot of what Teresa Rebecca wrote in it, it has to what is to me the hallmark of a Teresa Rebecca play, which is it doesn't really know how to end and completely falls apart in the second act. So that was disappointing. I wanted it to end with like her doing Bernhardt's Hamlet's to be or not to be speech or something like that. Th- that was such an that would have been such an easy way for it to end. And frankly, like a bit obvious, but also appropriate. Right. Um, to but just also like through doing the to be or not see. to be speech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's almost perverse given that the play is about how important it was for Sarah to take on this role and why she wanted to do it and what it meant that it doesn't afford Janet McTeer the same privilege of playing right. Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> That's really yeah. bizarre. That's not at all what I would anticipate. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. But the play is it's hysterically funny. Mm-hmm. It's it gets at a lot of deep, important questions and it's a lot of interesting things to wrestle with, which we are going to do now. <laughs> <laughs> um our first topic that we're going to discuss is the main topic of the play, which is the gender bending. Um, one of the big points of contention in the play is that a lot of the men in Sarah's life, while they love her and think she is the world's greatest actress, they have varying takes on why she should not play Hamlet. And... Not all of them are of the, well, people won't come to see it variety. It's more of the, well, she can't because she's female. Mm -hmm. Which I have some facts to share, if that's all right, Dan. Uh, Please share. I do too. (laughs) I picked up the roundabout has these upstage guides to each show that they put on. And there was a section in their Bernhardt Hamlet guide about gender bending in Shakespeare, which had some interesting facts in it. Um, First of all, it points out that partially probably because Shakespeare inherently is about gender bending because Mm -hmm. all of the roles were originally played by men. Mm -hmm. But 84% of Shakespeare's characters are male. Mm -hmm. And this I thought was interesting. The first woman to ever be in a Shakespeare play was in 1660. A woman played uh, Desdemona in Othello. It wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow? No. Other than Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. But I thought this was particularly interesting. Most Hamlets, depending on how the directors cut it, have about 1,500 lines over the course of the show. Mm -hmm. The largest female role in all of Shakespeare is Rosalind in As You Like It. Yep. She has 700 lines. Damn. Less than half (laughs) of Hamlets. So I feel like if you look at all of those facts, after reading it, I was like, well, yeah, no wonder Bernhardt wanted to play Hamlet. Like, mm-hmm. there aren't that many. There there are great female roles in Shakespeare, but there aren't many meaty female roles in Shakespeare, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and certainly none that are of the size and depth of, of Hamlet. Right. Or, right. Some of, you know, or Lear or Macbeth or any of the Richards or Henrys. Or... Are there any female um, title characters besides Juliet? I can't think of any off the top of my head. I don't think so. Um, uh, well, I mean, Cressida 
Yeah. And Troilus oh, and Cressida. Yeah, Lucrece and Lucretia and the Rape Everybody of Lucrece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important to note too that there aren't any female I mean there aren't many. There's a handful of female roles in Shakespeare for an older woman. I mean, obviously there's mm-hmm. like Lady Macbeth. Mm-hmm. But and you know, Gertrude. you think about things like Cressida, Juliet, Ophelia, um yeah. Rosalind are all written for young girls. Right. Because they were played by boys. Young boys, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but so I think whenever you look at all that, it's like, well, yeah, no wonder at a certain point Sarah Bernhardt was like, I'm going to play a male Shakespeare character, you know? Like, mm-hmm. where else was she going to go? Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Like, when you are the greatest actress of your generation, you're obviously going to at some point want to play one of the great roles. And up to that point, um, Bernhardt had played mostly, you know, ingenue parts. Mm-hmm. She she was famous for um, the Damo Camellias or Camille. Um, which, and you she know, had played Ophelia several times. I was just going to ask if <laughs> yeah. she played Ophelia. Yeah, she had yeah, played Ophelia. But like she yeah. was famous for these like, you know, tragic <laughs> women who die at the end and why not take the role of a tragic man who dies at the end? And she does make an interesting argument in the show. Yes. For the fact that Hamlet is, you know, is best played by a woman because a man old enough Mm -hmm. to understand him is too too old old for the part. part. (laughs) And a man young enough for the part can't grasp everything that Hamlet is dealing with. Thus, he is perfect for an older woman. And of course, then it gets into a whole thing of like, but he's not young. And no, yeah. yes, he is. Yeah, he's, a, yeah. he's still in school, kids. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Which is her argument. Yeah. But I think especially it's like an interesting topic to have today because obviously we have King Lear coming up soon with yes. a woman in the role of Lear. Glenda Jackson. Uh, the great Glenda Jackson. Catch that on next year's Tony episodes. Uh, yes. <laughs> thrilling. Can't wait for that. But I'm curious because I've seen quite a bit of genderbent Shakespeare. What about you guys? Um, well, I was in one. Um, oh. I, in college, a friend and I, 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 I uh, went to college for uh, drama. And we have my college, Hofstra University out on Long Island, has a very, very heavy emphasis on Shakespeare in their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're technically the longest running Shakespeare festival on the East Coast because they've been Ooh. doing at least one Shakespeare every spring since the awesome. 1950s, I think. I um, we have like a, rec- uh, um, a two scale replica of the globe they perform on. It's like a big deal. That's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, and my friend, who is a woman, and myself, who am a, I am a man, um, <laughs> we both love the play Romeo and Juliet. And one day we were just talking. And she mentioned, oh, she loves the part of Romeo. He lo- she loves the, you know, the monologues he gets to deliver. And I said, well, I really love the part of Juliet. I think she's, <gasps> her, her trajectory is really, really interesting. So oh. we kind of like, <laughs> it was a very parent trap situation. So we just kind of I love it. did it. We did a student production. Oh, my God, yes. I played Juliet. She played Romeo. But I wasn't in drag and she wasn't in, she wasn't a drag king. It was just mm-hmm. presented as is. I just was Juliet and she just was Romeo. And we oh, actually took awesome. it to the uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland. Oh, my God, I that's so great it was amazing and just like really insightful because you get to watch a woman interact in this manly world of you know street gangs and swords Mm -hmm. and then 
myself, I had a nurse and I was being, you know, goaded on and lorded over by my parents. It was really interesting to kind of see those dynamics completely flipped without explicitly commenting on them, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was kind of up to the audience to kind of bring their own interpretation from that. Oh, I love that. I love it. Yeah, it was really – it was – the best thing I've ever gotten to do in my life. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh. oh, that's so much fun. I have to say, like, there there are so many great roles in Shakespeare that, like, why why wouldn't, you know, a woman want to play some of the man's roles? Exactly. And why wouldn't a man want to play some of the women's roles? Um, I just wanted to really quick also, I did a quick rundown of all of Shakespeare's plays to see if there mm-hmm. was a title female character. So there's <laughs> Juliet, Cressida, and Cleopatra. But oh, other yeah, than that, sure. it's um, the Merry Wives of Winter, Wind, uh, Windsor <laughs> yeah. and the Taming of the Shrew. And that's <laughs> it, which is not, you know. Yeah. And if you count the rape of Lucrece. <laughs> well, yeah. But also it's important to note that none of those women have, like, a, a title of their own. It's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Torless and Cressida, Anthony and Cleopatra. Yeah, like. Right. Yeah, my college, you know, we did all these Shakespeare productions and it always was an issue because, like you said, in every Shakespeare, there's, you know, a matronly woman, a young woman, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, maybe you'll get, you know, the fairies in Midsummer. So <laughs> it's really, you know, in a college, obviously, there's usually there's more women than men in a drama, you know, department. That's mm-hmm. just kind of how it works. Yep. Um, so it kind of sucks because it's like, oh, I guess we'll have gender neutral guards, you know, or like <laughs> yeah. servants. But then there's, you know, 18 men on stage. Like, we did much about nothing, and it was just, like, a sausage fest. It just yeah. was really kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, when I was in college, uh, they, we, we did a bunch of Shakespeare, actually. Um, the, Emory is really cool in that they have a professional company in residence mm-hmm. in the theater department. So, And students can audition and be in the plays and work on the plays alongside professional actors and stage managers and directors and all this, um, which is really cool. And uh, when I was a prospective student, they were doing a gender band Tempest Ooh. with a Prospera instead of Prospero. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I ended up going there. Um, and then my senior year, we did a King Lear that had not any of the main roles, but L- Lear's Fool was a female mm. um, and Oswald was a female. Okay. Um, yeah. My junior year, they did a production of Midsummer, where they had a boy and a girl who were twins playing Puck. Interesting. Which was very interesting and ended up not being done quite as well as it could have been, but it was very (laughs) interesting. Right. A great concept, though. (laughs) Yeah. I I was in none of those productions, but I got to watch them. And, And honestly, like a lot of these parts, a lot of those parts that I mentioned, like you didn't notice that it was written for not, you know, that it was written for a man and being played by a woman. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but you are listening to a preview of episode 11 of the Next Best Theater podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast here on nextbestpicture.com. 
You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also newly on Spotify. But in order to get this episode in full, you will have to subscribe to us on Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this episode along with other exclusive podcast content. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate all of you, as always. We shall see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.